The good thing about our crumbling society is that there are so many stupid stories out there to make fun of. It may be the end of Western civilization, but at least this stuff's kind of entertaining. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, it's Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay, this is my favorite day of the week where we get to talk about all the stupid crap that came out this in, in each week. And there's always stupid crap. It, it really is. It's fun. I don't even have to comment on half this stuff because the, the media just... I, and trust me, I'm dropping things because this is going to be long. So we got the first thing we got to start with, of course, is Joe Rogan because this thing doesn't seem to want to end. The media is completely pissed off at Joe Rogan. And what's really pissing off the left is that, especially the mainstream media, is that Joe Rogan is still doing his podcast and he's still pissing people. And they are looking now at everything he does. Spotify is still hosting him. They won't change. They pulled. They ended up pulling seventy episodes. I said. I think I initially stated they had pulled one hundred and thirteen. They only pulled seventy. Joe Rogan is still doing his podcast, and he made a joke this week that they said was uh, I can't remember what the joke was, but they were complaining about this joke that he didn't even make up. It was a joke that was done um, by another comedian something like 25 years ago and he just said the joke and of course the joke is no good anymore so they reported that of course out of context like he had made up the joke but if i it the joke is old i just can't remember what it is and they can't they can't stop him he's still getting paid a hundred million dollars from spotify he still has an offer uh from uh, from Rumble for $100 million in case Spotify, which seems a little shaky. I don't know if Spotify is going to keep doing it, but he, the guy's going to be rich, which is why he should have never apologized. There was no reason for him to apologize because he doesn't need anybody. He can go anywhere he wants. His 12 million followers will follow him wherever he goes. So there's no reason for him to get panicky. Well, the left just has no idea how they're going to handle it. Ask Allison Camarota of CNN. She just has absolutely no idea what she's going to do about Joe Rogan. Well, I admit I'm out of ideas for what to do about Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm officially out of ideas. You know, first off, no one really asked you, Allison, what you're going to do about Joe Rogan. Like, you can do anything. I would tell you one thing, Allison, worry about your show, which has probably about 300 viewers. Nobody watches CNN, and that's not an exaggeration. Joe Rogan has more viewers of a single podcast than any show during uh, primetime at night combined on CNN. CNN averages 500,000 viewers a show per night. Joe Rogan, from between 5 and 10 o'clock. Joe Rogan, 11 million a day. So CNN really needs to worry about themselves. But CNN's goal is to get rid 
of Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan is the competition. That's their idea. They're doing the same thing. Brian Stelter spends nothing but his entire cast, and I've watched it, bitching about Fox News. Because Fox News is killing them in the ratings, especially Tucker. Tucker is destroying Brian Stelter. I don't even know why Brian Stelter is even on CNN. I mean, the guy is just... He looks like the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man without hair. And a lot more personality. Anyway, Joe, Joe Rogan, I think he's getting it a little bit. And he did explain why he apologized. He, he apologized because he did remember those podcasts. He did say that um, he did say that he regrets doing those podcasts. So he did feel bad. And he did feel he needed to apologize. And he didn't apologize, but he also said that, wait a minute, there is some uh, underlying. Now, mind you, this is all about the N-word that he, that he was taken out of context and saying. I mean, he didn't use the N-word calling someone the N-word. Let's not forget, he had Jamie Foxx on the show when he used the N-word because they were discussing racism and free speech. He was at head of podcast with Akash Singh, who is a, uh, a comedian, and he said this, quote, in a lot of ways, all this is a relief because that video had always been out there. It's like, this is a political hit job. And so they're taking all this stuff that I've ever said th that's wrong and smooshing them all together. But it's good because it makes me address some of this uh, crap that I really wish wasn't out there. So, I mean, he's got a very good reason why he is apologizing. He actually feels bad for what he did. But here's the thing. I Don't apologize. You know, I, this, this video that they showed was 12 years old. It wasn't like he released it two weeks ago. It was 12 years old. No one bitched about it then. Well, Akash, who is a huge Rogan supporter and a comedian, don't forget, Joe Rogan is a comedian too, he said, quote, you know why I'm proud of you? Because I think comedians have for years done this immature thing where it's like we don't apologize. We say whatever we want. You can apologize if you said some wild uh, crap, and we've all said some wild crap, and you apologized and owned that it was wrong. Good for you. This is a great point. Uh, Joe Rogan is a comedian. I have heard a bunch of his comedy routines on YouTube. You can bet that last dollar that the leftist goons are going to come up, going to go through every show on his YouTube channel, every comedy routine that he does, and they're going to make another compilation video. Everything he said about women, everything he said about gays, everything he said about trans folks, all that's going to come out in compilations and, of course, completely out of context, just like they did with, uh, with um, uh, the other comedian. It just takes time to compile this stuff. I thought there'd be something released this week. Nothing was released this week. But the news media can't stop talking about it. They still haven't stopped talking about it because they know it's coming. Trust me, Joe Rogan is not only not only going to be a racist, but he's also going to be a sexist, bigoted transphobe. It's all coming. And by the way, he's also going to be against panda bears and koala bears. You just watch. All this stuff is going to come. But just how many people are truly hurt by Joe Rogan using the N-word in his podcast? 
how many black people are really upset about this? James Kluge uh, went out to one of the most liberal part of Los Angeles, which is Venice Beach, and asked people what they thought. He asked white people, he asked black people, and he released the video. So first, let's take a look at what the white people thought, because this is really interesting. He's terrible. He's terrible? He should be off Spotify. I'm behind Neil Young all the way. It's offensive, and it's not our choice. It's not his choice, and shouldn't be using it. He's been doing a lot of crazy lately. He just thinks he can do whatever he wants, you know? If anything that George Floyd taught us was to yeah. open our eyes and actually see what's in front of us and right. actually address it, not just keep ignoring it. And by keeping him on, we're ignoring it. What wonderful woke white people. You know what George Floyd taught? I mean, you can tell they're wonderful and woke because they brought in George Floyd. By the way, the only thing I learned from George Floyd, don't try to steal cigarettes with a fake $20 bill while high on meth and heroin. That's what I learned from George Floyd. <laughs> I swear to God, they make this guy into some sort of god or something, and he was just a common street hood. But anyway, that that was, okay, you can see the, the white people. By the way, this is typical with liberal white people. We'll get into that in a second. But here's the response from the black people. And this really sealed it for me. Do you guys care? Absolutely not. Hell no. Nah. I don't care. What about you? Not at all. He's not saying nothing bad to me, so I don't care. I don't give a f Do I care about Joe Rogan generally or this issue specifically? No, but people are going to want to be upset about whatever they're going to be upset about. Does it bother you or does it not? As soon as I give me a show, it's the first thing I'm going to say, I made it. I'm confused. Did the black people say they weren't upset that Joe Rogan used the N-word? And these folks probably don't listen to his podcast. Or maybe they do. And maybe they saw the podcast that was on that they're, that they're talking about, but they don't seem really upset. Did one actually admire Joe Rogan and his accomplishments and actually hope to be like him? You should really read Shelby Steele's book, White Guilt. Shelby Steele is the author. I just want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. He discusses this phenomenon in great detail. Since the 1960s, white people, especially liberal white people, have felt the need to atone for the injustice done to black people during slavery and Jim Crow. And a lot of radical black folk, like the Black Panthers, um, Jesse Jackson was one, they actually pushed this narrative. They and that's the and it still exists today. In fact, it's gotten stronger. In this case, Joe Rogan hurt a lot of people by saying the N-word. Again, he didn't call anyone the N-word. I'm sorry, he didn't hurt a lot of people by calling the N-word. He used the word in the context of free speech and racism and used that word as an example. He doesn't strike me as a racist. He strikes me as a guy who says what he thinks. That's one of the reasons why I, I listen to the show. One of these conversations, again, he had with a black actor, Jamie Foxx. I bet you a dollar that the guys who spent days making the N-word compila compilation were white, and they probably weren't bothered by it at all. Oh, by the way, speaking of blacks always being victims in the systemically white racist 
society that is America. Ibram X. Kendi's book, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote that book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, I actually read you the introduction and told you this is a BS book simply because the introduction is made up of nothing but lies. Um, he makes $541 per minute when he gives his lectures. So let's be real clear, clear that he doesn't seem like he's a real victim when he can speak for an hour and make however, uh, what's that, an hour, make 30000 30 to $35,000. He doesn't sound like he's really that much of a victim, does he? really says something about our society. It also says what kind of grifter this guy is. All right, so back to CNN. CNN is really struggling. They got Jeffrey Tubin, who's jerking off during a, a conference call, but he was a kind of a popular political consultant or legal consultant, whatever he is, even though he's kind of disgusting now. Um, so they ever fired him. They suspended him for a month. Um, they had their they had to fire their highest rated host Chris Cuomo because he advi he lied about advising his brother Andrew Cuomo, who during COVID killed ten thousand people and has a tendency of grabbing ass. Then two of their producers, CNN's producers, turned out to be having sex with kids. Jeff Zucker, the CEO, was boofing his replacement his coming replacement for the last 20 years. So he quit. And Brian Stelter, who's another show host, is fat, balding, ugly, and stupid. No one watches his show. And, oh yeah, they've got, they are competing with reruns of Frasier for viewership. I, they are an absolute mess. But they may have broken the big story that'll bring them right back into the forefront of news, of cable news networks. Um, they might have found the political scandal of the year. We could have more impeachment hearings. All this from probably a very accurate book by Maggie Haberman, who writes for the New York Times. So let's listen to CNN. And uh, I'm sorry, Maggie Haberman. And let's hear what her book is what her book is about. Now, mind you, CNN led with this. And Maggie Haberman is with us now. She is also the author of Confidence Man: The Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America. Maggie, we start with the toilet. Tell us what you learned. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, so as I was reporting out this book, um, I learned that staff in the White House residence would periodically find the, the toilet clogged. The engineer would have to come and, and fix it. And what the engineer would find would be wads of, you know, clumped up print, wet printed paper, um, and, you know, meaning it was not toilet paper. This was this was either notes or some other piece of paper that, you know, he they believe that he had thrown down the toilet. What it could be, Brianna could be anybody's guess. It could be post-its. It could be notes he wrote to himself. It could be other things we don't know, but it certainly does add, as you said, another dimension to what we know about how he handled material in the White House. We have known for several years since my colleague Annie Carney broke the story that Trump was ripping up pieces of paper and that his staff was having to tape it back together for archival purposes. Uh, this is how he has handled documents and pieces of paper all his life in terms of ripping them up. But this was something, this was something different and it was not, uh, as I was told, an isolated incident. 
Wow. Crime of the century. I, I can't believe they say they broke this story. Are you freaking kidding me? Trump may or may not have thrown paper in the toilet. Trump may or may not have used that toilet and the toilet clogged. It may have been top secret material that needed to be in the archives or it may have been post-it notes. Wow, maybe they were nuclear codes. Or maybe it was his wife's phone number or a message that said his wife called. Call Nancy Pelosi. Call Adam Schiff. Call Maxine Waters. Start impeachment proceedings. Because we know he, they can impeach him after he's out of the White House. There are two things that are really sad here. Uh, first, that this woman wrote a book about Trump and this was the story CNN decided to carry from this book. Probably not going to buy this book. Probably nothing real important in the book. Second thing is CNN really, really badly needs Trump. They Their ratings were never so high as they were when Trump was in office. They were still getting their asses kicked by Fox News and MSNBC. But they at least they had like 17, 20 viewers watching them. The guy has been out of office for over a year and they're still talking about him. They're still digging up controversy. Here's a newsflash. Trump's playing golf every day. You, you can pretty much guarantee he's at Mar-a-Lago playing golf every day because it's doesn't need a mask. He's It's just pathetic that they cannot embrace the reality that Trump is no longer president. They gotta keep digging this up. Okay, uh, so Adelaide, here's another great story here. Adelaide, the singer from England who won Entertainer of the Year on Tuesday, uh, I don't know what she won it for. I, I like Adelaide. I think she's a. I think she's a great singer. I actually listen to her when I'm just walking just to calm down. Um, she, but she, I don't know what the award show was called because I don't care and it went woke and they, they no longer have a female entertainer of the year and a male entertainer of the year because I guess that's transphobic. And by the way, we don't really know what a man or a woman is anymore anyway, so you might as well just combine them together. But she won. Um, but she did cause controversy in her seven-second speech. Seven seconds. She created a storm. Show, she showed just how bigoted she really is. She is a transphobe, and she is bigoted, and she's a terrible human being. By the way, I don't think, I really don't like this kind of crap with someone like Adelaide, who is honestly a little mentally fragile, emotionally fragile. I don't say mentally. I'd say emotionally fragile. She is. I understand why she said this, because it was her femininity that actually caused a lot of her emotional issues. But just listen to this transphobe, because, I mean, yeah, I, you can't say anything anymore. Not the name of this award has changed, but I really love being a woman and being a female artist. I do. I do. That's right. She's a transphobe because she has pride in being a woman and she loves being a woman. 
Those words, I love being a woman, spark outrage on Twitter. By the way, Twitter is the wasteland of reason. There's no reason to eat. I like I like Twitter. I read it every day. I read it every morning, but it is a wasteland. It is just trash over there. One Twitter user said, please, no, Adelaide can't be a TERF. TERF stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. So she's a feminist and she's a radical feminist because she's proud to be a woman? Okay. That last comment, I'll continue. Let me read it again. Please, no, Adelaide can't be a TERF. That last comment, though ambiguous, I thought it wasn't ambiguous at all. I sounded like she was just proud to be a woman. Could be perceived as turfy. Please, no. Another tweeted, Who would have thought that Adelaide was a transphobe and would use her platform to call for the destruction of trans community, especially the confused, especially the confused te- teenagers? Did you hear anything in that little speech that said something about destroying the trans community? So now, just acknowledging being a woman is bigoted, transphobic, and turf-like. Women are so bad they can't even say they're women. They can't even do women right. I'm sure she'll apologize for being a woman. By the way, she she hasn't said a word about it. As a matter of fact, the only apology she's given was was canceling a show that she did because of COVID and she canceled it like the night of the show. So that's the only thing she's apologized for. But I needed to research this a little bit about this trans philosophy. So where's the best place to research trans philosophy from, from a genius that truly understands TikTok? I, so I found this. I looked for it. It took me about five seconds. I actually found it on Twitter, thanks to Libs on TikTok. And yeah, now I got it. So let's listen to this genius here. So if the only reason you don't want to date someone boils down to the fact that they're trans, that's transphobia right there. Let's go over a couple of situations. So if you don't want to date a trans one because you want kids... Well, you better be keeping that same attitude with cis women who are infertile, or that's transphobia. If you don't want to date a trans woman because you're not attracted to trans women, I would absolutely love to know how you're able to identify correctly who is a trans woman on site 100% of the time, because that is just impressive. I wish I had that ability. I'd love to be able to have even more trans solidarity. And then also just... Being super straight is the all lives matter of sexualities. It's not a real sexuality. It literally is just something that's made up to make fun of trans people and to hate on trans people. So, yes, super straights, I don't respect you and I don't respect that sexuality. Bye. Okay, so let me get this straight. So if one is a woman, it's transphobic for that woman to acknowledge and celebrate her being a woman. If one is a man who thinks he's a woman, it's okay to celebrate his womanhood. In fact, a straight man who does not find a man who thinks he's a woman attractive sexually is a transphobe and a sexist. 
oh, this this trans thing is so stupid. But a few things with this whole video because I think it's absolutely hysterical. Um, one, I, I don't want to date a trans woman because a trans woman is a man, and I have no attraction, sexual attraction to men. Period. End of story. Maybe we could have a beer together. I don't think I'd have a beer with this guy. He sounds kind of creepy. I, he sounds creepy. Okay. Um, answering the infertile woman thing, there still is the possibility that a woman who has been diagnosed with infertility can get pregnant. Miracles do happen. A trans woman is a man, and men can't get pregnant. Ever. That's not a thing. So if I fall in love with a, a woman who happens to be infertile, the fact of the matter is, it may happen. Uh, we can look at Amy Coney Barrett. She's a prime example. They they adopted kids because they didn't think they were going to be able to have children. She ended up with two. So let, let, let's 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 not get crazy with the infertile woman thing. And I can recognize most trans people. Because you say, yo, well, you can't wreck it. No, you can, actually. There are a few out there that really look like the sex, the, the gender they've chosen. Okay, there are a few out there that really look like women. And there are a few women out... Well, I, I have never seen a woman video anywhere. A woman that looks like a... A, a, a woman that looks like a man. They, they all look like women. I'm sorry, they do. They just... I'm sorry, the body structure is different. And honestly, for most men, you know, their body structure is the same too. So it, it's kind of easy to tell. But most trans people look like this guy. And this guy looks like a man. So I don't buy his crap. Finally, this guy doesn't respect my biological sex. And my biological sex doesn't really exist. No one cares who he... First off, no one cares who he respects. This is what I don't get about TikTok and the selfie thing. If one goes viral, it's usually because they did or said something stupid. No one goes viral because it was the perfect selfie. Nobody cares. That's the reality. Nobody cares. You take the selfie. I tell this to Josie's kids all the, kids all the time. I said, no one cares. Take your selfie, post it. Nobody cares. As a matter of fact, the only reason anyone's going to care is because you're constantly posting selfies. And they're going to say, my God, this gal really is into herself. And my bi biological sex doesn't exist. I know it exists. Do you know how I know? I have four kids. Do I know how womanhood exists? Well, Josie has three kids. My DNA will move on through history. His won't. Because he can't have kids. It is it is just so insane. Okay, you know, th here's something. Here, the next story, I've only got two more left. And I know I'm going to go a little bit over here. But here's a story. According to the New York Post, it is a secret we are all trying to unlock. How to live long and happy lives. Science has found the key successes. Success. Well, for men anyway. In the United Kingdom, men are in general, are not expected to live as long as women, so maybe they need a little bit of more help. The average life expectancy for a man is 79. That's great. Compared to women who are expected to live until 82 years old. That's great, too. The most common age of death in the men for UK, 
between 2012 and 2014 was 86. That's better. But women were living until 89 during the same period, according to the Office of National Statistics. The reason for women outliving men is down to genetics, according to the Daily Medi- uh, the Medical Daily. Okay, so then what they did is they said there are six ways men can improve their quality of life and their lifespan. Five of the six are not much of a surprise. Have more sex, get married, have kids, be responsible, and get involved with your children. They said that getting involved with your children is actually more important than keeping in shape and working out because it makes you happy. But there is one area I that I don't even think this is stupid. I think this is great. The advice is to stare at boobs for men. If you like boobs, stare at boobs. Why? Boobs are good. Because boobs give men positive thoughts. According to the Post... In a 2012 study published in the Archives of Internal Medicine looked at the effects of positive thinking had on a men's health. After a year, positive thinking had a powerful effect on health choices. More than half the patients with coronary artery disease increased the physical activity versus 37% in the control group who were not asked to write down positive thoughts in the morning. The same thing same happened to in men with high blood pressure. More than 40% of those with high blood pressure followed their medication plan compared to 36% of the non-positive thinking group. So, again, the statistics are not really that far apart. But one of the points of, of it is, you see a woman attractive, look at her. You like her boobs? Look at her boobs. It's good for your health. You like butts? Look at her butt. It's good for your health. And there you have it. We got a study that proves it because it makes you happy. It gives you good thoughts. So next time, ask your wife if she you you're, you you've got a sexy wife at home like I do. Ask your wife if she loves you. When she says yes, tell her to put on that sexy little halter top, and you will live longer. All right, last last story of the day, and we're gonna do a story. No, let's 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 do this. This is. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to do my stupid quote of the day. Here is um, New York Governor, sorry, New York Mayor, New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, being asked about one of the things he wants to do for the population of New York City. And just listen to him. How often do you eat fish? Do you eat any other animal proteins? I eat a plant-based centered life. Some people want to call me vegan. Vegans eat Oreos and they drink Coca-Cola. I don't. I eat a plant-based centered life. And those who are the food police for me, uh, they can food police all the time. I eat a plant-based centered life. I eat a plant-based centered life. And I'm not going down that... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Please don't do that yelling out stuff with me. I don't do it to you. Don't do it to me. I did a plant-based scented life. And I'm not going down this rabbit hole of what do you eat if you eat cake and it has eggs in it that you analyze it. I'm not doing that. The more plant-based you eat, the better and healthier you are. That is my question to those who are following me around in restaurants, wondering what, what I'm ordering. 
Listen, I'm not doing that. That's noise to me. I got to get New Yorkers to eat a plant-based scented life. New Yorkers got screwed with this guy. I, they thought they were hiring, they were getting a mayor that was a moderate compared to communist uh, Bill de Blasio. And he turns out to be as crazy as Bill de Blasio. I mean, he's this is a guy who is calling himself a... Calling himself the Joe Biden Jr. He said that last week. And now he's trying to force veganism on the school system. And by the way, he does eat fish. And if you're wondering, how many times did he say plant-based life or something? He eats a plant-based life, I, which makes no sense. He obviously can't speak. I eat a plant-based life. You did not mishear that, in case you missed it, that he said it seven times. Or six times. I don't know if he said it six or seven times. In in the entire thing, he said it like 20 times. Because I only gave you a piece of the interview. But he eats a plant-based life. And that pet plant-based life, apparently fish are plants now. Because he does eat fish. They caught him eating fish. And that's what this whole thing was about. Because he's forcing schools to... He's forcing schools to uh, go completely plant-based diet and he's eating fish again he what a what a shock a democrat is a hypocrite it is truly amazing that these freaking new yorkers these leftists just don't get it stop voting for these people you don't get it this guy is just as bad as de blasio he's no better i i <laughs> I, I still have hope for the guy, but I don't know. I, I have no idea. It looks pretty bad. Okay, in the last story, National Public Radio, NPR, got into big trouble for ignoring uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story because they thought it was just not an important story. But the brilliant editors decided in releasing a story called, Which Skin Color Emoji Should You Use? The answer can be more complex than you think. You know, probably not. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, probably not. I don't use emojis, by the way. I don't use emojis because I'm an adult human being that has a high school education, and I can actually, well, high school education doesn't mean much anymore with our public school system, but I can actually type in words. So instead of an okay with the, with the white supremacist okay hand symbol, I just type in okay. I know, weird, weird. Anyway, this story was so important that they required three writers for it. Three writers. And I kid you not, the, the, it's maybe a thousand words. It's maybe a page. It's not a very long story. So the writers were Alejandra Marquez Jans, Patrick Jaren Watananan, and Asma Khalid. Yeah, there we go. Um, so let's go through this future Pulitzer Prize winner because this is really important stuff. Heath Rossella identifies as three quarters white and one quarter Filipino. When texting, he chooses the yellow emoji instead of the skin tone option because he feels it doesn't represent any specific ethnicity or color. Okay, so first thing I, I before I continue on here. So is he three quarters white and one quarter Filipino? 
Filipino or does he just identify as that? Which is it? Because I can identify it black as black. That doesn't make me black. Okay, continuing with the story. He doesn't want people to view his texts in a particular way. He wants to go with what he sees as the natural option, as a neutral option, and focus on the message. I quote, I represent as very pale. I present as very pale, very light-skinned. And if I use the white emoji, I feel like I'm betraying the part of myself that's Filipino, Rosella of Littleton, Massachusetts said. But if I use the darker color emoji, which maybe more closely matches what I see when I look at my whole family, it's not what the world sees, and the people tend to judge that. Who judges this, by the way? I mean, really? They they judge? By the way, this sounds like a rich person problem. It really does sound like a rich person problem. I figure that this guy has enough money not to worry about things like crime, inflation, foreign policy, and war. Um, he, I can sense that this guy is stressing out about things that are not important, like the colors of emojis. Maybe he should look at boobs and calm down. But I wanted to prove my point. So I, I looked up Littleton, Massachusetts, and Wikipedia had their demographics. And I was right. It is a rather wealthy area. According to Wikipedia, the median household income was $123,413, and the median family income was $143,233. About 2.4% of the families and 3. 6% of the population were below the poverty line, including 1.9% of those under the age of 18, because if you're you're a kid, you can't work, and 5.2% of the age 65 or over. So in other words, no one's poor in this area. They do pretty well. The average household income of 123000 they're they're doing very well. 143000 for families, you have two people working, they're doing pretty well. So this, this just proves this is a rich person's problem and probably wanted to point this out in the article, which they didn't. So anyway, um, they give another example of a person in the article, and of course, the person's black. Mind you, this article... We're going to get to this, but the article interviews two people that, that, quote, identify as minorities, even though I don't know what identifying means. So let's get with the actual study instead of the two examples. A 2018 study published by the University of Edinburgh in England looked at the use of different skin tone emojis. What it referred to as modified emojis, which are they changed the color, on Twitter to find out if the modifiers contributed to self-representation. Alexander Robertson, an emoji researcher at Google and PhD candidate involved in the study, said emoji modifiers are used widely, but it is it was people with darker skin who used them in higher proportions and more often. All right, first off, if Google... Google hired a PhD candidate to study emojis. Yeah, there's a great spending of money. And if you're the parent of this kid, okay, and I'm assuming he's a kid if he's studying emojis, how proud are the parents here? Could you imagine you're going to a cocktail party and 
you've got your friends and they've got a son who's a doctor. You have a son that's going to be a doc. Well, he's not going to be a doctor. He's going to be a PhD. But and this the the other parents sit there and say, you ask them, so how's he doing? What's he studying? Oh, he's studying. He's studying brain surgery, neurosurgery. And they ask, what is your PhD, doctor son, going to study? Emojis. Bet there's not going to be a lot of conversations there. By the way, not a shock that people of color are using colored emojis. Can I say colored emojis or do I need to call them emojis of color? I don't know. I'm going to call them colored emojis. I'm a, According to everybody, according to YouTube, according to Twitter, I'm a racist anyway, so I might as well just go for it. People of color have been conditioned to believe that their color is a badge of honor and should be celebrated. That's why they've created colored emojis in the first place. White people are bad, so they really just use the default Homer Simpson yellow. Honestly, I think it comes down to this, and I bet if I talk to 25 white people right off the bat, 25 white people are going to sit there and say, I just don't give a damn. Well, old farts like me don't use emojis anyway. You know why? Because I can uh, write like an adult. All right, anyway, so let's continue because this gets good. After after another look at Twitter data, Andrew McGill, the writer of for The Atlantic, found that some white people may stick with the yellow emoji because they don't want to assert their privilege by adding a light-skinned emoji to a text or to take advantage of something that was created to represent diversity. Perhaps, like Heath Rosella, they simply don't want to think about their message how their message could be interpreted. But Zara Rahman, a researcher and writer in Berlin, argues that the skin tone emojis make white people confront their race as people of color often have to. For example, she shared Sari Cole's confusion when someone who is white uses a brown emoji, so she asked some friends about it. You know... First off, I, I do want to point out, this was written by three people of color, and they used two people of color as examples. This idiot Raman from Berlin is telling me why I used the yellow emoji, and they didn't interview one white person in the article. There's not one white person in the article. The article's not that long. I mean, could you have at least put one white person in? Even a left-wing woke liberal, couldn't you just put that person in and ask them? No, they couldn't, because they couldn't find anyone. You know why? Because nobody cares. Sigmund Freud talked about a person's act. Uh, he, he wrote a paper uh, talking how person, a person's daily actions show underlying sexual desires and frustrations. One day a reporter asked him what sexual motivation or frustration was in him because he constantly had a cigar in his mouth. You probably heard this story. Freud responded, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure we can all say what this emoji thing is. Sometimes an emoji is just an emoji. Race doesn't have to be entwined in absolutely everything. 
Okay, I'm done with the story. It's just too stupid. Okay, uh, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I've got everything there. I've got all the links. Links are really important. I need to make sure I have links because if I don't have links, YouTube is going to suspend my podcast again. I really need to just dump this on Rumble and, and forget it. Okay, uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is Gene. You listen to Dumbasses Talking Politics.